The scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give thee a drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick or in prison and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no drink. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see thee hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. You know, this, uh, what would you call it, faith tradition of ours, has a lot of contradictions. I don't know if it's just they've built up over the years, but it's actually even in our holy book, too. All kinds of contradictions. Like, like this Sunday in the church year, and this is the last Sunday of this church year. Next week is the first Sunday of the next church year. But this final Sunday is called Christ the King Sunday. Which is kind of funny because I remember reading in John that Jesus ran away from the crowd because they wanted to make him king. So he's not here now, so we just go ahead and I don't know. So it seems crazy that we have this Christ the King because, I don't know, when I read the book, kings were always kind of a troublesome issue, you know? Um, the people, Israel wanted a king and God said, no, no, that's not a good idea. So what is with this king thing? And we have all these parables that we've been reading at the end of Matthew that are all about a king and a king who does something. And usually it seems like something, I don't know, kind of involving killing someone or sending them to eternal punishment or banishing them to the outer darkness. And we always have to make the decision when we're interpreting this, like, is this king supposed to be God? Is this king supposed to be Jesus? Is this... King, an unreliable narrator here? Like, what are we supposed to do with it? Now, in this text today, we see that the king is really, like, it just comes right out and says, basically, the king is the son of man, which makes it difficult. <laughs> yeah, 
See, this whole parable is kind of difficult because, you know, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a former evangelical. Um, that's true. I grew up uh, as an evangelical, and um, there was always this thing called works righteousness. That's what we called it back in the evangelical days. And it was always seen as a bad thing. Works righteousness. The line was, we're saved by grace, not by works, right? Works are for Catholics, you know? That's what they believed, you know? Or that's what we believed that they believed, you know? And they were saved by their works. And we knew for sure that that um, meant, in fact, that they believed that they were saved by works pretty much proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that they weren't saved at all. Now, my people, my evangelical people, they're a funny lot. Even though we didn't believe in works righteousness, we really believed in works righteousness. I mean, you were supposed to be good and not bad. And if you didn't act like a Christian, there was probably a pretty good chance that you weren't really a Christian. Doubts were always being raised. This led to like, a lot of people going up to these altar calls. You know what an altar call is, maybe? You know, at the end of a service, in evangelical churches, at the end of almost every service, um, they play some hymn, and the minister invites people to come forward to dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And, um, I mean, you probably know what an altar call is. I mean, I know that not all of you are ex-evangelical. Some of you are, I'm sure. But with this crowd here, you never know what we're going to get. I mean, some of you might even be uh, Catholic, you know, um, or, you know, Lutheran, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, no, I don't mean to imply anything about Catholics or anything like that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm making denominational jokes. What am I, Garrison Keillor? You know, is this like the 1950s or something here? I'm going to just get back to it here. Yeah. Um, yeah, my people, yeah. Um, so maybe people here, if you, depending on your background, don't even really know what the works righteousness is, or it seems weird. But yeah, it's basically this belief that our own works, like following the Ten Commandments, praying, even following Jesus' command to feed the poor and clothe the naked, that brings about one's salvation. Um, more basically, it's that we have the ability to affects, affect God's decision to redeem us or not by how we behave. So we did not believe in this when I was growing up. But it was one of those things that we did not believe in so strongly that we completely lived it out. Like our belief that you shouldn't judge people. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> Works righteousness. You know, I must proclaim in the most proclaiming way that I can that I think this works righteousness is antithetical to everything I understand the gospel to be about. It's therefore unfortunate that this parable seems to confirm the notion of works righteousness. <laughs> this is a parable, Jesus' final parable in Matthew, and it's about the final judgment. It's notorious, right? The sheeps and the goats, the separation of the sheep and the goats the good people from the bad people, the righteous people from the unrighteous people. And it seems pretty clear-cut here. Jesus tells the story, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne, the king, 
He will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. The sheep's on the right because they're right. And the goats on the left because they're left. So, then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on the left, You are accursed, depart from me to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. If you're good, you inherit the kingdom. If you're bad, you go to hell. But you know, this is kind of a funny parable. I mean, no, not like a joke kind of a thing, but maybe more like a riddle. There's some curiosities here, or at least some things to notice, some questions. First of all, this is not Jesus, I don't think, making a prediction about the future or making a statement about the fact um, what the final judgment will be. Jesus is just telling a parable. It's a story, and it's a story about a king. Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you that are blessed, inherit the kingdom. And it's kind of a surprising story about a king because when he explains to the sheep why they're going to inherit the kingdom, he tells them, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Naked you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they're like completely baffled. Like it seems like they would have remembered if they ever fed the king or saw the king naked. And when is a king ever in prison, you know? It's the same thing for the goats. They're all like, what did we ever do deserve to be thrown into the fire? You know, and the king tells them, well, I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They are equally baffled. Like, if the king ever asked him for something to drink, they certainly would have given him anything he wanted. Like, they are going to let a king walk naked and not give him something to put on. Unless, of course, it's one of those emperor's new clothes kind of things, but it's not here. Then you just kind of play along. But here, but prison, isn't the king the one who throws people in prison? It's just inconceivable that he could have been in prison they didn't visit him. But the king tells both the sheep and the goats, no, whatever you did to the least of these or did not do to the least of these, the outcasts of society, the poor, the prisoners, the strangers, those on the losing side of culture, whatever you did to them or did not do to them, you did it to the king. This is what is really surprising in this parable. Like, the king is identifying himself with the least, the neediest, the sinners, the outcasts. Now, this probably doesn't surprise us because we've heard this story and identified the king with Jesus, and we've learned that Jesus is all about the poor and the needy and the prisoners. Well, I mean, not so much the prisoners anymore. I mean, that sort of fell off years ago. Prisoners now are just bad people, right, who are in prison because they did bad things. Um, but for the um, people who originally heard Jesus tell this parable, they would have they would have been very surprised because they thought of every one of these categories, poor, naked, stranger, needy, the same way we think about prisoners today. 
Um, they were all in the circumstance they were in because they were bad people. If you were naked, it was an abomination. If you were poor, prison, some, whatever, sick even, that was because you were bad. So, so that's how they would have thought of them. And the fact that the king is identifying with them is very surprising to the original hearers. And the fact that he's um, talking to the sheep and the goats, the goats are going into the fire. That the goats are going into the fire is not unusual. But leaving your kingdom to a bunch of sheep, I mean, even if they're really good, I don't know. Another surprising thing is this. The sheep, they seem to be the kind of people... Well, they're not sheep people. I'm going to stop saying sheep and just say people, right? Um, Let's just say they're people. So they're regular people. Well, they're not regular people because they're really kind and caring and loving. When someone is in need, no matter how bad they are, no matter what they've done to deserve their fate, they cannot help but helping those people. I mean, even if it goes against the cultural norm at the time to reach out to somebody who's an outcast, When they see them, someone hungry, thirsty, naked, these people, these sheep people, they can't help but to go to them to feel compassion and help them. Now, these people are put in this awkward position by the king because he praises them for helping the outcasts, blesses them, rewards them for helping these outcasts, and then the king selects a group, the goat people, and he designates them as eternal outcasts. I mean, what are these sheep people supposed to do? As soon as they see the trouble that these goat people are in, the the compassionate nature in them would compel them to help. Really, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever they did, they want to care for them. So it was the right thing to help the outcasts before, but now it's the time to let the outcasts burn in the fire? It doesn't really make any sense. Especially when you read the rest of the story. I mean, Jesus came for those in need, right? Jesus came to reconcile sinners to God, to reconcile us all, so that we may act in love to those in need and to follow Jesus' way, bringing comfort to those who need comfort, to love God and love our neighbors. So why would Jesus tell a story about a king that praised you for loving your neighbor, helping those in need, um, that ends with a king creating a group in need that can never be comforted? It's confusing to me. That has to be what the story looks like maybe before the end of the events in the Gospel of Matthew. I don't know. But I did, in my confusion, find another version of this story, one that takes into account the events at the end of the Gospel. And it goes like this. Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the realm prepared for you from the foundation of the world, says the Son of Man. But the sheep just stand there, looking across to the other side. There are eyes wide, not with rejoicing or satisfaction, and surely not with gloating, but with astonishment, and the kind of fear that the compassionate have when they see others in danger. For over there on the other side, Among the goats are so many of those for whom they have cared all this while. And now what will become of these others? Are they separated forever? 
Who will care for them now? The sheep know about starvation and illness and imprisonment. They have fed the hungry, given water to the thirsty. They have visited the penitentiaries, but they have ministered to the others in need as well. The sheep have welcomed and befriended the goats when the goats were so estranged that they'd become strangers even to themselves. And the sheeps kept visiting the cells of those imprisoned in hatred, the goats who hated everyone and themselves most of all. The sheep had given so much of themselves to these others. How could someone now separate them forever from those others? How could this son of man in this moment call them blessed? How could they rejoice over their inheritance as they looked across the chasm towards those who remained lost, sick, naked, imprisoned in their own pitiful selfishness? How could they be happy about this? They won't move. They don't move. The Son of Man studies them and calmly says, you cannot go across to them. It's too late, for there is no more time. For a moment, the sheep stand there, looking at the Son of Man. Then you go, the sheep tell him. 